Hello, my name is Tom Boone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll usually give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. This week, Joe's away, so I invited Reese from Head for Points to join me again, and this time we're going to discuss the Star Alliance Lounge that opened in Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport earlier this month. Reese, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. This seems to be a reoccurring occurrence now. I know, I know. I feel like you need to get your own uh, podcast going or so. <laughs> Stop stealing I'm, ours. No. Yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I thought um, seeing as I had a gap in the, the schedule this week and we bumped into each other a couple of weeks ago in Paris, I thought it would be a good idea to chat about that. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, why don't we start with how we got to Paris? Because that was fun in itself. I, um, I mean, I took uh, the Embraer E190 from Frankfurt. Um, had to take a bus to that. I briefly mentioned last week that I uh, said screw you with the boarding groups and just joined with Group Three, even though it was Group Five. Um, and then I ended Naughty. up in. Yeah, I know. But I ended up in Terminal, I think it was 2H or so. And it was basically, you know, I think Disneyland was closer to the, the main terminal <laughs> than this terminal. It was crazy. I had to yeah. take a bus just to meet you. And then um, then I finally met you. But what happened in, before I met you? Terminal, terminal uh, well, Charles de Gaulle Airport in general is, is a bit of a confusing one because they obviously have multiple terminals, um, but they also have Terminal 2, which is sort of... They have Terminal 2E, 2H, 2F, 2G. They're all actually separate terminal buildings, essentially. Um, uh, it's not really one terminal at all. So it's very confusing uh, nomenclature. Um, so I, I got to Paris on Air France, which was very nice because Air France now operates uh, the A220 on all flights from London to Paris. Oh, so um, they're all brand new aircraft. You know, obviously... X, XC series, the A220, X Bombardier, really lovely aircraft. I always call it the A350 of um, the narrow bodies. Um, super quiet, large windows, large overhead lockers, which is so important these days because everyone's bringing on bags. Um, and just an overall really nice experience. They have a nice two, three layout. Mm. So in economy, you have two people on the left-hand side and a uh, uh, three people, three seats on the right-hand side, which is nice as well, especially if you're flying with someone else and there's only two of you, you can obviously select the, um, the pair, the seat mm. pair, which is always very nice. I've never had that problem. <laughs> the only problem time <laughs> I flew the A220 was alone, but I was in business class, so the seat next to me was free anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I've only ever flown it alone, actually. But, you know, it's one of those perks. It's a bit like mm. the A330 where you have the 242 layout. Mm. And it's just something quite nice not to have an extra person there yeah um yeah so i flew on air france i arrived at 2e Mm. in the spaghetti of terminal (laughs) 2 at charles de gaulle and obviously um we were heading to terminal one uh which is where most star alliance airlines fly from most non air france airlines really (laughs) um it's it's the iconic terminal, really. It looks a bit like a flying saucer. Um, mm. It's kind of a circular building. The main building's a circular building, building I mean, in the 60s, I think. It was a journey just to get there, though, wasn't it? I, we had to, I, I ended up waiting for you in um, arrivals of 2E, and then we had to walk for, I don't know, who yes, knows how long. Yes, lots of travelators. Yeah. Um, travelators, two or three, I think, um, plus a couple of escalators to get to escalators, this yeah. strange... I don't want to call it like an, a train, but it was it was like a, a yeah, tire it's a little train. air train, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like the ones that you find at Stansted or 
even the Heathrow Terminal 5 one. No, the one at Stansted's much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing Stansted's got going for it. Um, <laughs> although they're getting rid of that as well. That's a side note, but um, that will soon be gone as well. Um, yeah, and then we got on this air train and then obviously had a lovely tour of the car parks at Charles de Gaulle. Mm. Um, I think we passed by four or five of them. <laughs> <laughs> and Terminal 3, I think, uh, but we didn't stop there. Um, yeah, I think Terminal 3 is the budget terminal, isn't it? I'm not quite sure. I think so. Um, but then we finally got off and then um, just finding where we needed to go in uh, the flying saucer, as we call it, was a challenge in itself because uh, yeah, we were going in the wrong round, direction. And it's round, of course, so you yeah. just find yourself back in the same spot where you were before. Yeah. Um, to be honest... I mean, okay, so a bit of backstory here. Terminal 1, I think, is probably one of the oldest terminals at Charles de Gaulle. Hmm. Um, as I said, I think it was built in the 1960s or something. It's a round building, big round building in the middle. And then it used to have multiple individual satellites around it, a bit like orbiting the main center. Hmm. And then, so you, you do check in, bag drop and everything and all that in the main building in the center. And then you'd walk or take the travelators to the satellite buildings where you get where the gates are. Um, and obviously, in ahead of uh, the Olympics coming to Paris next year, the airports, Aéroport de Paris, ADP, have been doing a lot of work to their um, terminal buildings, and they've been uh, renovating a lot of them. I think they spent three or four years renovating Terminal 1, so it's completely shut. Um, and what they've done is they've basically completely refurbished it. Um, it's pretty amazing now. They've built a new kind of conjoined satellite terminal. So rather mm. than having four or five individual ones, you have one kind of long semicircular kind of crescent-shaped one, um, mm. which is very nice. Um, the problem, of course, is that this Terminal 1 original building is not really built for the modern airport experience. You know, if you think about the queues for check-in, the baggage drop... Um, security as well you know all of that has changed in the last 30 years or so hmm. so um, it's not really the perfect terminal when it comes to the building itself but they have done a very nice job to refurbish it so it's very nice inside yeah definitely and I mean um, so we ended up finally getting our weird checked in without being checked in because obviously we weren't flying from terminal one but uh, you know, it would have been a perfect solution just to connect airside at Paris, but I think that's asking for way too much. Um, but yeah, so um, we ended up getting checked in and going through passport control and security again. And then um, after a while, we ended up, uh, so we had to go through firstly this I think this is the best travelator I've ever been on in an airport. And you will know exactly what I'm talking about, Reese. You basically get on. It's like it's a travelator, but instead of having the metal of an escalator, you just have this big rubber band, bouncy rubber band that's going round and round. And you get on that and you basically just go through this tube. It's like being at the aquarium where you go under the fish, uh, but without the water and the fish. Or it's like being at a water park and going, mm. you know, through one of those um, slides, which is transparent. That's mm. what it feels like. Yeah. yeah, it's a very, it's a very funny, odd terminal. Yeah, um, but then we had to go through all sorts of weird checks here and there and everywhere. Um, and then we finally ended up in the the main departure lounge. And I feel like you're going to want to say something about that now. <laughs> yes, I am. Because uh, when they, obviously, we, from moving from the center of the terminal to the, one of the satellite building, um, again, with an interesting 
interesting travelator. You kind of it's quite a long, probably the longest travelator I've ever been on it, and it goes yeah. up and down, so it's yeah. not just flat. It was, Very fun. But, well, it remains flat in terms of there's no steps, but it goes up a yeah. hill and then back down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it's crazy. kind of wavy. Yeah. Um, and then you're in the, the new bit of a terminal, which is very nice. It's kind of, it's probably the most luxurious duty-free shopping area I've ever been to at an airport. Mm. It really feels like you're in a high-end mall. It, um, it felt very UAE, didn't it? Yeah, except I, in my opinion, nicer. I think it was it was very French. It was like mm. you had all the luxury fashion houses, um, you know, Hermes and Dior and... Um, Cartier and Gucci, whatever. And they all have these amazing kind of shop fronts. And then in the centre, you have this big um, kind of pop-up space for like makeup stores and all that stuff. I mean, not not by someone who particularly buys luxury goods at airports, but (laughs) it was very impressive. Um, Mm. And I think I've been to uh, the airport earlier this year as well when they first opened because um, they wanted to show us uh, what they've done with the space. And it's not just the shopping areas that have had investment the um, the gate areas are also really really nice. Um, each of the terminals at Paris is being refurbished with a kind of unique gate area look and design, and each one is inspired by different Parisian neighbourhoods um, or architectural features. And so, to be honest, it's probably one of the most or one of the nicest uh, airport gate areas I've ever had. You know, even if you're flying economy, there are some really nice amenities. There's charging at every seat. There's um, hot desking areas. There's um, there's like a game zone. Like there's some really cool um, cool bits and bobs to it. It's not just your usual metal and grey chairs that you see at most boarding gates. So they really have um, spent a lot of money on it. And I would say that it's not just people flying business class or who wants to do shopping that benefit. I think everyone benefits from the new layout. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then once we got past that, we finally entered this escalator up to the smoking area of the terminal. Um, <laughs> but it turned out that this was also, um, as well as the smoking area, it was the where the new Star Alliance lounge is. Um, and, you know, I must say, I really liked it. Um, I'm a bit sort of confused about why you still need to scan your boarding pass in and out of the lounge but um that's not my my big i'm not gonna go to war over that but i i I, what really struck me when you got in the lounge so it was just how french it felt Mm. yeah it's it's very similar actually to the boarding gates of terminal which are obviously inspired by paris as well the star alliance lounge also takes the same cues and it kind of feels like it coexists very nicely with the rest of the terminal. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a very, very, very nice lounge. Um, they, when when the whole Terminal 1 renovation was happening, um, they were building a, a lot of extra structures and extra footprint on the terminal. And I think the um, ADP, the airport operators, kind of reached out to Star, Star Alliance and asked if they wanted uh, to have a new lounge space um, because they were building some, you know, it's kind of on top of all the retail stuff. So you have all this space and you have fantastic views across the airport, um, you know, floor to ceiling windows. It's a bit of a unique shape. It's not the most convenient shape, I think, from a designer's perspective because it is very, very long and thin. And actually what what the um, what the designers and architects were telling us at the event was that, you know, they really were had to be really careful to make sure that it was compliant with health and safety, like, you know, in case there's a fire, like how how do you how do you make sure that people can get out in time and all that sort of stuff? Um, because it is so long and thin, it's a bit more challenging than might otherwise be the case. And in terms of, um, you know, 
smoke extractor fans and various other airport utilities that go through the lounge. So they had to kind of work around those as well. But, you know, you wouldn't know it. They've done a really good job. Um, there's a lovely outdoor space as well. Um, yeah, so I, just to kind of give you a walkthrough of the lounge. When you arrive right in front of you, there is a lovely kind of welcome bar. Um, and then you can turn either to the left or to the right. If you turn to the left, you have a kind of winter garden, which is quite nice. And you have some nice seating around the kind of tea room type thing mm. uh, where, you, where you can try I think it was called a tea teas. salon. Ah, yes. Very French. Tea salon. <laughs> um, and just behind the tea salon, you have uh, a kind of business area with individual mm. kind of booths as well as private um, kind of business suites in case you need to take a private phone call. Um, so that's very good. And you also have, I think it's four showers, four showers there, which is quite nice. Um, yeah, I think it was three normal ones and an accessible one as yes, well. Yes, probably something like that. Yeah. And the showers are really nice, actually. Um, mm. I mean, I, ma- I imagine most people flying Star Alliance via Charles de Gaulle are probably not connecting. So the, the need for a shower is, you know, less than if you were connecting at a hub airport or something. So mm. I, th- I think four is probably the right amount right amount of showers given that the lounge has a capacity of just over 300. So that's kind of, that's the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, you then have a bit of seating and then you have this kind of lovely wine bar, wine tasting area thing. Mm. I don't know what they call it. I commented that uh, that felt very like the... Uh, if you've ever been in the first class lounge the, at Abu Dhabi for Etihad, it feels very much like their cigar lounge, but yes. without a door. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of in this sort of semi-separated hmm. space with glass walls with lovely bottles <laughs> of rosé um, sitting on glass shelves. So it kind of semi, semi-transparent um, kind of walls, but, you know, kind of adds a layer of privacy and kind of coziness. Hmm. Um, and then after that, you've got the main dining area, main buffet area. It feels very much like a French cafe, I thought, you know. Um, Yes, very much so, with the seating areas, yeah. Mm. You've got this uh, sort of, because you have a big sort of long table in the middle and then around it you've got um, booth-type seating but with that little French wall between them Mm -hmm. also. Um, And then you've also got a couple of seats that um, look over the the ramp because the one thing I must say that I found most exciting about the lounge even more exciting than being some of the first media to chat with the CEO of Star Alliance um, was um, and now it's that time everyone Tom's A380 Podcast the most exciting thing for me were the views of the ramp because I think while we were there, we saw the Emirates A380 come in, uh, which was a real highlight for me. But also, if you look in the distance from the catering area of the lounge, you can also see the Air France Concorde um, sort Mm -hmm. of posed in its um, landing configuration with its nose dropped, um, which is sort of a a bit of a a funny thing to mention because yesterday as we record this podcast was I think exactly 20 years since the last Concorde flight so um, kind of weird timing there but yeah it's um, it's but you think this you said it was long and a long and thin lounge but this this uh, glass view of the runway, or not the runway, the, the ramps and the taxiways, mm. literally extends the entire length of the lounge. It even goes into the bathrooms. Yes. So if you're, uh, if you're using the male toilets, then mm. they are lovely toilets because they have gigantic windows in them. Mm. Um, 
if you were an owl, you could use the urinal while looking at the planes going past. That is true, yes. <laughs> if you could move your head just 180 degrees around the back, that would be ideal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously in the women's toilet, they've gone for a slightly less communal approach. And I think every... A uh, cubicle has its own wash uh, wash basin and whatnot. Wash basin, yes, yeah. Because obviously mm. they don't have urinals, so it makes it much more easier. Mm. And then obviously last, I think the last place that we didn't touch on so much is before you go outside, um, they have this crazy lit up ceiling. Um, yes, in the winter garden. Just before, yeah, or yeah, in the in the winter garden, but it's it's yeah. it can simulate daylight. But um, the they were like, oh yeah, we can control every box individually, and uh, so obviously I had to Do ask the shows. question. Yeah, can you have a disco mode? And they were like, oh, well, we can. Um, I'm not sure if we can set it up now, but it's possible. So uh, if you're ever fancying a party in the Star Alliance lounge, um, speak to somebody about getting the disco mode activated. Yes, definitely, that would be quite fun. I think a private party. Starlight's Lounge. Mm. If you're listening, anyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that was um, nice. And I think the only thing I, I mean, it did have the outdoor terrace, but I feel like mm-hmm. that was personally that was the only letdown for me. Um, it really felt more like just an area to go smoking um, than a place that you'd want to spend a lot of time outside because obviously it shares the the airspace per se uh, with the smoking terrace of the terminal yes. but it is separated by a garden yeah it, yeah but i didn't find uh, it smelt particularly bad no, there. i mean but on the other side you've got all of these wonderful views of um yeah. of the plains and you're just missing out on these with not being able to see yeah. anything in this little courtyard yeah i think it's an occupational hazard anywhere in france to be in an yeah. outside area and you know yeah, smells smooth. I get that, but you know, you've got to you've got to find some negative with everything, Reese. And so there has to be a negative. Have some compromise here. <laughs> um, but yeah, then um, that was quite fun. Obviously, we had um, there was some champagne to celebrate the opening, and a ribbon cutting, and some speeches. And as I mentioned, we also got the chance to sit down with the CEO of Star Alliance. So I grilled him on biometrics and Reese grilled him on credit cards. And both of us were probably looking at each other thinking, your question is so boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, then after all of that, we had the excitement of getting back the other direction mm. out of this um, this um, airport. And it wasn't really as simple as you'd hoped because obviously we'd left the Schengen area. Um, so rather, you know, like if it's somewhere like Frankfurt, you know, it's just got mixed arrivals and departures and you would have just been able to walk out or probably even in um, the non-Schengen part of um, Terminal 1. But here, you know, we had to walk for miles um, mm. and push past the the Emirates departure because I feel like, you know, what you were saying about the check-in base, uh, space being a bit small, I feel, you know, even the the boarding space is not quite ready no. for an A380 um, because it, it really was a challenge to get, like, it wasn't just a case of there's loads of space you can walk through. You did have to kind of push people a little bit. Um, I do wonder why people decide to, you know, to stand up and queue for their boarding when they're probably mm. seated in row, I don't know, 72, yeah. um, and they're going to be, you know, the last to board. I mean, I always like to sit down as long as possible, yeah. unless I've got priority and then I can go straight through, of course, yeah. which is always nice. Well, I guess it depends if you want that 
coveted space right above your your specific seat. seat. Yeah, on on short haul, to be fair, that is an issue. Um, going mm. back to the whole A220 thing, one of the nice things about that, obviously, mm. is that the large overhead locker bins do allow you generally to avoid the kind of rush to get mm. on just because, you know, everyone's got a bag and if you don't get on early, then your bag's going to be right at the back of the aircraft. Um, I actually had that recently on a on a British Airways flight, I think it was. I wasn't, I was, I was seated in, in uh, I think I was seated somewhere in front of the aircraft, but I wasn't, I didn't board very early. I was kind of in the lounge and just kind of chilling a bit. Um, but when nice. I did come to board, <laughs> there was no room for my bag. So I had to go, you know, probably about 10 rows back Mm. pop my bag in there, walk back forward. And while you try doing that while other people are boarding, it's an absolute nightmare, you know, because they're coming mm. onto the aircraft um, with all their bags and you're trying to squeeze past them. Obviously, the aisle is only really wide enough for one person. Mm. And then you've got the opposite issue at the other end. Yes, exactly. So, well, I ended up just waiting until everyone had uh, uh, left and then walked back. I hope you were in an aisle seat and made everyone else wait as well. <laughs> uh, I don't think I was, actually. Oh, I like boring. prefer window. Yeah, that's the window is best, especially on these short ones. You can just watch the world yeah. go by. Um, yeah. But then, thankfully, we had our lovely um, Paris, Air Show, uh, Paris Airport VIP guide who sped us past all of the security measures to the front of the queue. Um, and we still had to... It was weird. We didn't have to show our passports to get into the non-Schengen area, mm. but they did want to check, like, actually scan them going back in. Um, but, hey, we got through. Um, yeah. And then it was a mad, mad... Uh, you know, I was... You remembered me. I thought I was going to miss my flight. Mad um, for you. Less mad for me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I got to the terminal, uh, to back to this shed on the edge of the the airport, and I had enough time to enjoy um, a sandwich and a drink in the Air France lounge. Then, mm. so uh, you know, it was nowhere. You know, it was nice to have the facility with the Wi-Fi and the toilets and the calm uh, with the food and drink, but it was really nowhere near the standard of what we'd just witnessed. Definitely. I mean, um, you were in the Schengen lounge, mm. right? I mean. Unfortunately, that in the shed, Schengen in the shed, yeah, it wasn't even. I feel like the the, if it was in um, two or one of the big ones, like Mm -hmm. where you were, but for Schengen, it would have been probably a a bit nicer. But you know, it's 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 the 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 service that counts, and the service existed. So (laughs) it's nice to have a lounge in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't complain. Yeah, well, that, that then um, amazed me. This flight, I think, was less than an hour. Um, and, you I'm know, surprised it was, it was even an hour long from Paris to Frankfurt. Yeah, it was less than an hour. Um, yeah, I mean, my flight and, was less than an hour from London. I think it was yeah. I don't know, 45 and, but, minutes. But, something. you know, I was in business class on the way back and we got a full business service on this flight. Um, yeah, I mean, they, was, do, they do rush it through. Yeah, but I was amazed. At, well, I had time for two drinks. Like, he came back. Yeah, well, this was... that, that depends on how quickly you're drinking, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe I should aim for free next time. Um, but yeah, those no, rookie so... numbers, Tom. You've got to get those numbers up. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a really fun day, and obviously, it was fun to hang out with you and our other journalist friends as well, and um, to finally meet Mike. So thank you to Mike for in, uh, inviting us. If you listen to the podcast, yeah, Mike and Theo, the. Um... Uh, Star Alliance CEO, lovely to yeah. meet him. He's only been in the role for three months or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, but already he's very well versed in the, yeah. the airline, you know, or the um, alliance. You could really tell. Very knowledgeable. 
and you know it wasn't there was no filter it wasn't on the level of albaca no filters but it wasn't one of these people who's like oh i can't really say anything about anything in case i say the wrong thing so that was really appreciated too yeah he was good yeah we had a good chat with him actually Mm. it'd be nice to see him around yeah but i think that's probably about all we've got time for on the podcast today so thank you so much for joining reese thank you for having me uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast and we welcome any feedback at editorial at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.